is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Allie here along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. And guess what, guys? It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Ah! <laughs> well, so glad you guys are along for the ride today. Let's get started on that musical journey. Woo, let's do it. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're gonna have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. First up today, they call her the most famous person you've never heard of. It's songwriter Allie Willis, and this year she's being inducted into the 2018 Songwriters Hall of Fame. And it's about time for this woman because she is an incredible creative. Allie, tell them the song she's written. Okay, well, you know Allie Willis from writing the theme to Friends. She also wrote Earth, Wind, and Fire's September. And she also wrote Boogie Wonderland. Add to that this song by the Pet Shop Boys. Tell me what have I, what have I, what have I done to deserve this? And this hit by the Pointer Sisters. Allie Willis has also co-written the Broadway show The Color Purple with Oprah Winfrey. So you're in for an explosion of creativity and inspiration today with Allie Willis. Yes, and she also plans amazing parties for all her friends. And you're going to get some awesome party tips as well. This is such a cool interview. Probably one of my favorites we've ever done. I agree, Rachel. Okay, who's next? Well, then you guys are going to catch up with singer-songwriter Matt Whipke. You guys heard him on our show when he was looking for support for his Pledge Music campaign. Well, that went gangbusters. The album is done, and you're going to hear all about the creative process behind the new album, Driver. Little woman with perfect pitch. Never sang low, never sang low. Off the 58th and pop up 10, North the center, North the center. He's got an invitation for you guys to join him at his concert showcase for this album, February 23rd and 25th at the Reverb Lounge. Hear about it later in the show. Okay, before we go to break, I just want to say a little congratulations to Rachel for joining the Instant Pot community. Yes, I bought myself an Instant Pot for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Exactly. So she joins Bo and I, who absolutely love our Instant Pot. I make all my dinners pretty much in the Instant Pot now. And I got a quick tutorial from Allie. This will be the inaugural weekend of the Instant Pot. Hopefully, hockey puck chicken is well in my past. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Just don't blow up the house. (laughs) Well, not only is the pressure going up in my Instant Pot for an amazing meal, the pressure of creativity is going up here for an amazing show. You said it, Rachel. Stay right here. You're going to hear from a creative force of nature, Allie Willis, about to be inducted into the 2018 Songwriters Hall of Fame. She's going to join you right here when we come back on the Mulberry Lane Show. Prepare yourself. We are family. I've got all my sisters with me. 
bringing you the stories behind the songs. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. It's hard to know where to start to introduce you guys to Allie Willis, but odds are you already know and love her work. This Grammy, Emmy, Tony, and Webby award winner wrote the hits September and Boogie Wonderland for Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I'll Be There for You, the theme to Friends, the Pointer Sisters' Neutron Dance, plus she co-authored the Tony and Grammy-winning Broadway musical The Color Purple. She has a kitsch museum, and as her alter ego bubbles the artist, she's an internationally known visual artist. She also had the first network-connected home in Los Angeles and pioneered virtual worlds for tech and creative companies. And she's known for her A-list fabulous parties. And now she's being inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I could go on and on, but you guys get the picture. Meet Allie Willis, a one-woman creative force of nature. Allie Willis, creatively wired. Enter here and leave inspired. That was very good. Oh, thank you. Great to have you on. Well, congratulations on the Songwriter Hall of Fame. How did you find out? Well, I'm actually a little sworn to secrecy on it. Okay. But in general, they send you a letter. Okay. Not a letter. Okay, it's 1940. (laughs) Um, You know, you get an email, and I was actually shocked because... As much as I have felt for years, actually, that I deserve to be in there. Absolutely. Um, I'm, like, more interested in people as, like, friends and party guests because, you know, I'm a big party thrower. Yes. I was never political. I couldn't have told you the name of, like, a president of a record company or head okay. of a and You didn't play the game. You know, no, not at all. Okay. Like, never did. You have to really campaign, you know, uh-huh. to, to get any of these types of things. So. Mm-hmm. I was actually shocked, but elated that I got in. So, you know, off I go. You were a recording artist yourself. You were dropped by your label, and that kind of led to the songwriting career. So talk about... like instantly, yeah. Talk about that point Um, in your life. First of all, I worked for the record company as soon as I graduated college. I went to University of Wisconsin. I was a journalism major, kind of specializing in advertising, And someone told me that they had advertising departments at record companies. You know, I went to New York to Columbia and Epic Records, which is Sony now. Okay. You know, because that was like the biggest place. And somehow I landed a job. So for the first like three years, I was actually writing, you know, like liner notes on the back of other people's records. My very first person I worked with is Janis Joplin. Wow. (laughs) Um, I I made it in five days before she passed, but I got in there. Wow, wow. And writing uh, print ads and radio commercials for, like, all these groups that I loved. Mm -hmm. You know, all the female artists on the label and all the black groups on the label. Okay. And then one day, there was actually a song out. This was 1972. It was the biggest song of the year. It was called Alone Again Naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan. Okay. And I loved it, and I just started, I I wrote a lyric to it, and I called up someone else I knew who, like, played piano, and he came over, and I wrote the first song. Then I wrote two more songs by myself, went and got a record deal, and had to quit, you know, my job because it was a conflict of interest. Right. The album came out in 1974. I, at that point, was terrified to perform so i wasn't really being uh, a good girl and i was dropped but the day i was dropped 
a friend of mine, she was doing a background session for this singer, and she said, well, you know, you really shouldn't be alone today. Come with me to the session, and the last place you want to be when you're just dropped is at someone else's session, you know, session. right? Uh, but she was adamant, so she took me along, and then it was just one of those bizarre twists of fate that as soon as the door to the studio opened and we walked in, the singer, who I didn't really know, took one look at me and literally fell to her knees and started bowing. Oh. And it was the one person that had bought my album. Oh my and and it, it was it was Bonnie Ray. Wow. So she uh, she literally said to me, and this is the day I'm dropped. Um, you know, go home and write me songs. So I went home, I called a friend of mine who was a big Bonnie Raitt fan because I knew, you know, he knew what she sounded like, which uh-huh. I didn't. And David Lasley, and we stayed up all night. We wrote three songs, and then by the next day at noon, you know, I had my first cover. Wow. So that's how that began. That's an incredible the same, story. Well, she yeah. must have known from listening to your album that you had something. Well, she was a huge fan of the album, uh-huh. but, you know, but at that point I thought like no one owns the album. So that was shocking. Uh-huh. And then the same friend three years later got a deal of her own. She was in a group called the Harlettes. They were okay. Beth Midler's backup singers. They got a deal. They had a bunch of my demos and their producer was producing Patty LaBelle at the same time. Okay. So Patty heard these demos. And then paid for me to fly up to San Francisco, where they were, and to just put down all my songs on demos, because I was completely broke at that point. Mm. You know, and on food stamps and just, you know, a mess, but it was a glamorous life. As a and you got flown song. out there <laughs> and recorded yeah. all your demos. Uh-huh. Patty LaBelle, she asked me to write with a friend of hers, who I just went and wrote with we were never actually introduced she just said my friends in the next studio you have to go work with them and i went in there and we started writing immediately and it wasn't until the middle of the second song that i really looked hard at him and i went oh my god it's herbie hancock oh Oh my gosh yeah Yeah. do you think if you had looked at him first you would have been intimidated (laughs) i i just my attitude was uh, patty labelle got me up here she wants me to write with a friend of hers. I'm sick of being an unknown. I want to stick with the star, you okay. know. Okay. So, and oh, yeah. because she never told me his name, you know, I actually avoided him for the first three days. And then he actually chased me into the bathroom <laughs> and, uh, you know, just said, come into Studio B. So that's how that happened. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Allie Willis, who's known as the most famous woman you've never heard of. She'll be inducted into the 2018 Songwriter Hall of Fame, and you're hearing all about her here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So you're not a trained musician or songwriter. No, no, no. I write music and lyrics, but I could not sit down and play you a note if I tried. So is it... Like, no idea. Is it just from listening, you just have an internal feel for it? You know, I uh, I grew up in Detroit when Motown was coming up. You know, if you were a, a kid in Detroit or a teenager at that time, all you did was listen to the radio. Okay. And I would go down to Motown, which, which was just a little house, and I would sit on the lawn and you could hear the music coming through the wall. Wow. That's literally, you know, I, I learned by being from Detroit. Basically. It seeped into you, really. Yeah, 
And then I would try and take lessons over the years, but as soon as they would start you on the scales, I would start hearing melodies. <laughs> and then, you know. So I never, ever, ever learned how to play. Okay. Yeah. Your fortunes changed in the span of one year in 1978. So describe well, yeah, that year. The tail end of 78. Well, Patti LaBelle was in the beginning of 78. Okay. Uh-huh. And oh. then Earth, Wind, and Fire happened just a few months after that. And that was also a fluke. You know, a friend of mine was friends with Verdine White and, yep. you know, put me together with him to write. And he said, I'm going to tell my brother about you. Uh-huh. And never thought that that would happen because, you know, it wasn't like I was known or anything. And Earth, Wind & Fire was huge. Uh-huh. But I got a call like a couple nights later from Maurice White. And all he said to me, just asked me if I was Allie Willis. I said yes. And then he asked me to write the entire next Earth, Wind & Fire album wow. with that. Wow. And then September came out at the tail end of November 1978. And that like blew up overnight. And that was it followed was closely by Boogie Wonderland. Yeah, but September was written to be the only new single on Earth, Wind & Fire's Greatest Hits, Volume 1. Okay. So at the same time we were working on that, we were working on the I Am album. But Boogie Wonderland was a separate song that I had written with John Lind, who had also written for Earth, Wind & Fire, okay. and we brought that to them. Okay. So I think I wrote everything on that uh, album except for two songs. So, you know, co-wrote. You're catching up with the 2018 inductee into the Songwriter Hall of Fame. Allie Willis is here on the Mulberry Lane Show. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with more fascinating stories from Allie Willis. Do you remember To the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. In the middle of a chat with Allie Willis, known as the most famous woman you've never met, she'll be inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame. She's responsible for co-writing hits such as Boogie Wonderland, September for Earth, Wind & Fire. She also co-wrote the theme to Friends and the Broadway show The Color Purple. You're catching up with songwriter Allie Willis right here. You went on to this illustrious songwriting career, but then you got bored writing songs. Oh, I was bored about a week after September came out. Wow. Because, you know, you go from no one knows you to all of a sudden everyone in the world wants to write with you. And I think there was this, uh, which I still think there's a perception about me that I only write lyrics. So people at that time especially just started sending me tracks. Oh, like, yeah. I was a machine. I was getting uh-huh. over 100 songs cut a year. So if you're getting 100 songs cut, that means you're writing five, 600 songs. It was, you know, mostly lyrics. And even though a lot of times it was with big stars, it was uh, music that I was not especially interested in. You know, had I been co-writing the music, it would have gone somewhere else or in uh-huh. Fire Five. I got so you. It I took just, the joy out you know, of it for you, really. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just wore myself out. But that was a blessing in disguise because although it led to many torturous years where I kept writing, I knew there was something else. I just didn't know what it was. Eventually, like 1983, I started painting 
I was writing with one of the Go-Go's at that point, okay. and I stayed up all night and did this painting, and then she bought it the next day. Okay, cool. So that started where all of a sudden I was penetrating the music business with art. Art. That's how I got with Pet Shop Boys. I was hired to do their portrait. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Right when they hit with West End Girls, so they flew me to England to do the portrait, you know, only because we were talking while they were posing, they found out. That I was a songwriter. Uh And then, uh, you know, I stayed and we wrote, what have I done to deserve this? The art then turned into set design. Set design led me to people like uh, Debbie Harry. That was the first one I did a video for. Uh And the cars and a whole bunch of other people. And then I got into technology really early. And then once that happened... I really was bored with songwriting because... That could be multimedia. Yeah, yeah. And I was always a very social person. I was a party thrower. So as soon as I saw a message board, which was like 1991, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. You can get people from all over the place to be in one spot. Mm-hmm. So and You I saw that. I mean, not very many oh, people yeah. had that vision at that time. Oh, I'm telling you, no one did. I'd walk around talking about a social network. People thought I was crazy. I bet. My uh, partner for much of that time was Mark Cuban. Okay. So, yeah, he was actually my CEO. But, so he you know, got it. Yeah. He Oh, he definitely got it. Uh-huh. But, you know, he was one out of a trillion, right. you know. But yeah. we couldn't get anyone to finance it, though. Because try explaining a social network when people don't even understand what the Internet is. Right. You know, it was premature, was like, really. Oh, yeah. I started with Mark in 1992. Uh-huh. It was way early. So now we've had a lot of artists and creative people on the show, but no one has even come close to what you have accomplished in so many different artistic mediums. Where does your drive and your creative energy come from? Desperation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, and I think all of my friends, especially ones who have known me a long time, I don't think I have changed at all since Uh I was like seven. Okay. I still, all I do is eat junk food. I like (laughs) watch TV. I mean, I think I remained a child. Okay. You know, I don't like to be bored. Growing up, I was either listening to music or I was dancing or I was drawing and, you know, doing all this stuff. I think a lot of it probably stems from the fact that I don't play and that I was a woman in the music industry that very much favored men. Like, if you had my kind of success, even with one hit, like September, uh-huh. you automatically, as a guy, you could produce your next record. Right. You know? Uh-huh. Even though I was producing all the demos, no one ever looked at me that way. Interesting. And yeah. I wasn't aggressive in asking for things which is not a good quality to have as a creative person. You really need to have the balls to do that. Uh That's hard. Um, Yeah. So I think I just, probably to cram down a lot of the frustration, I just kept doing things, you know, that were creative. And Uh then, you know, this party thing, I love throwing parties because I could do everything from design the invitation to build sets to DJ it, MC it, do, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. The food and the, you know, games and make up fictional characters to run the games. It really became the model for what I thought a social network was. Uh-huh. It really you know. is. It's like a social network in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
You're listening to songwriter Allie Willis here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You know, and then a lot of my breaks always came because one person would say, oh, have you ever blah, blah, blah. And then I would go, no. And then they would give me a shot. Uh-huh. So like the Debbie Harry thing, the video happened because I just happened to sit next to someone at a dinner party. Uh-huh. They knew about my house because I, I live in a house. It was built as the party house for MGM in 1937. And it's pink. Yeah, it's pink and it's round. So this was someone who, I don't even know if he knew I did music. He just knew me from my house and my collection. Okay. And he was directing a Debbie Harry video, and he wanted to use the house. Uh. So he said, have you ever art directed before? And I said, no. And so, you know, she was at my place two days later. Mm. You know, all of my stuff happens from really, like, not the way it's supposed to happen. Right. (laughs) But it's also, you took the opportunity, and you weren't afraid. I mean, you would jump in. Yeah. No, I, I would jump in because I was more afraid of being bored than of anything. Okay. Okay. So, you know. So that's the desperation that drives you, the desperate attempt to not be bored. The desperate, oh, that's such a good title, the desperate attempt not to be bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now so. a lot of people go through, you know, slumps in their life, whether it creative slump or a slump at work. What advice do you have for someone who needs to reinvent themselves? Okay, well, uh, as someone who is really a practitioner of that, yeah, you have to try really hard to believe in yourself. You know, people will try and pull you down all day long. No one tries harder to pull you down than yourself. That is so true. So I've been lucky in that even though there was a huge part of me that felt overlooked a lot of the time Uh and you lose belief in yourself like the fact that I didn't know how to play an instrument even though I realized that led me to write very distinctive songs because Uh I did things a lot of time a trained musician would never do it's also very easy to think oh you're not really a songwriter Uh you don't know how to do that I had the same thing when I started painting and you know it was painting it was sculpture it was like building furniture it was a lot of stuff But I did not know until 10 years into painting and having sold like a thousand paintings, literally, I did not realize that you mix color together to get other colors. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Gotcha. So Uh as much as that defined my style, because everything was so bright because it came straight out of a tube, you know? Uh Yeah. So even though I knew, okay, that's actually working for you that you didn't know this, I could easily talk myself into, yeah, you're not really a painter. Right, you don't know how right. to do anything. So how do you so, stop those thoughts? I was a huge fan of, like, self-help books. Okay. You know, like if I'm depressed at night or something, I'll go on YouTube and I'll find someone speaking about okay. something, okay. you know. And I would just keep working. As long as I was working, if I was painting or if I was writing music, Then I was usually very happy because I think what an incredible thing to be able to to do. It's not a magic pill. I think you got to work on yourself all the time. Basically, you have to babysit yourself. Yeah, I like that. I get that. that. One more thing I'll say that I think is unbelievably important. If you do collaborate, collaborate with someone you really like and that you really think is talented because nothing will bring you down than someone who is either not interesting to you or doesn't have the talent to inspire your 
talent. Okay. You probably and, learned and that the hard way. Yeah, oh, poor, oh, God, yeah. I, I, for every incredible person I worked with, there were, you know, 73 idiots, so yeah. I bet. I you bet. could probably write uh, a book about that. Hate, yeah, Anna made me hate, you know, writing. But again, that was a blessing because it kept pushing me into other into areas. Other Got to take a quick break. One more segment with songwriter about to be inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame, Ali Willis. Chats next about the theme song to Friends. I'll be there for you. Get a peek at the behind the scenes look at the writing of that song right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I bought you drinks, I brought you flowers, I read your books and talked for hours. Every day, so many drinks, such pretty flowers. So tell me, what have I, what have I, what have I done to deserve this? What have I? Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's Mulberry Lane. In the middle of a chat with a songwriter who's about to be inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame, Allie Willis is known as the most famous woman you've never heard of. Incredible songwriting track record with hits for Earth, Wind, and Fire, Pet Shop Boys. She also co-wrote the theme song to Friends. We're going to get back with Allie Willis and more behind-the-scenes stories. I'll be there for you, the theme song for Friends. You hated that song. Yes, I did. <laughs> I mean, I love it now. I worship it. But right. this was 1994. I was right in the midst of trying to, like, evangelize about the Internet, you know, what the social nature of it. And yet I had a songwriting quota where I was turning out songs just to fill the quota. Okay. Didn't feel like they were especially good. It wasn't fair to my co-writers because I wouldn't even want to hang around for the demo. And it was the first time I had a quota, and the, the quota really made me hate uh, writing. You know, you just have to stamp these things out. Right. Every time I thought I had fulfilled the quota, they would say, well, you know, you wrote this song with two people, but there's seven people in the group, and everyone gets a cut, so oh. I was, wasn't fulfilling it. And oh, yet man. I was writing a trillion songs. So finally it got down to I owed a seventh of a song. A seventh and, of a song. Uh, a seventh, one seventh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Friends was about to go on the air in about three weeks, and they decided at the last minute that they wanted a theme song. As luck would have it, one of the three producers of the show, a couple of years before, I had won the AFI Women's Directing Award. Okay. And I was put with this Kevin Bright, he was my mentor. And I actually ended up giving the award back. I never actually made the little film I was supposed to. Okay. I'm the only one in the history of AFI that's ever given the award back. <sighs> because if you were a guy and you won the men's directing award, you got $10,000 and you got to shoot on film. If you were a woman, you got 5000 <gasps> and you had to shoot on video. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, good yeah. for you for giving it back. Yeah. So I went into protest, and I gave it back. So I never worked with Kevin. But then three years later, he ends up being the producer of the show called Friends. He called Warner Chapel, where I was signed, uh-huh. because it was a Warner Brothers show. And asked for a writer, they wanted someone who was quirky but commercial. <laughs> so anytime anyone used quirky, I would get the gig. <laughs> They said me, and he went, oh, my God, I was like her mentor and blah, 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 blah. 
so I ended up writing the song really only to get out of my publishing deal so I'd never have to write again. Right. Then that song, the day that it aired, the song blew up, and then immediately we turned it into a single. It was the biggest airplay record of the year. You know, I still hear it 14 times a day today, so I'm in love with it now. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, if you just joined us, you're listening to songwriter and all-around incredible creative Allie Willis here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You mentioned your love of planning parties. And what is one essential thing that a host or hostess needs for a great party? Well, I can tell you what the biggest mistake everyone makes. Okay. Uh, They think it's about the food and they think it's about the band. And it's not about either of them. Uh, It's about, first of all, creating an environment that when you bring people into it, it just naturally opens them up. Okay. I used to do a lot of my parties as potluck. Some people would bring, you know, a sponge cake made out of sponges. You know, that, you know, makes it fun. Right, Um, the talking pieces. Yeah, and planning activities, don't just leave it up to your guests to just chit-chat with each other, especially if you've got a lot of them, Uh because that'll just leave people in clicks, you know, and, Uh and they won't meet anyone new. And really think about who you invite. Do not invite someone because you're obligated. You know, just because someone invited you to dinner doesn't mean you have to invite them to your party. Okay. And uh, so I really try and think about what the theme is, who would be best participating in the theme, who would get along with who, and really take care of the guests. Don't just think if they're all in one place, they're going to do it. And the other thing I want to say is I mix a lot of different kinds of people together. Yeah. So... You could be an A-list movie star. You could be a plumber. You're both still at that party, and that makes it more interesting for everyone. I love that. And I think at my parties, everyone kind of knows they were hand-picked. Yeah. So they all come in kind of as equals, even though they do vastly different things. You know, I'm not inviting someone unless I think they have the creativity to kind of participate. Right. That is so cool. So they feel special you know. when they walk through that door. Yeah, and they can see that I have, like, really worked to make it, you know. <laughs> I love but it. I have a great time working on parties. When's the party book coming out? I know, I know, I know. That's another thing. Well, I never thought I'd get into the Hall of Fame, the songwriters thing, so maybe the book will be next. Do you know what you're going to wear? A, uh, to the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Um, I never know until the moment. Okay. You know, I collect clothes as much as I collect everything else. So I kind of just have to see what the vibe is as I get closer. But let me assure you of this. No one else will have on the same outfit. I guarantee that. (laughs) Well, not very often does one get to dish with a true individual and such a force of creativity. Allie, we want to thank you so much for joining us here. This has been a delight. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, get me a copy of whatever. We sure, sure will. will. All, right. All right. Thank you so much. All right, Allie, Allie. Take care. That's Allie Willis here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Now you can say you know someone in the Songwriter Hall of Fame. And what an incredibly creative woman full of inspiration. When we come back, you're going to catch up with singer-songwriter Matt Whipke. Hear all about Driver when we come back. No one told you that was going to be this way. Your job's a joke, you broke your love life's the away. It's like you're always stuck in second.
got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, the last time singer-songwriter Matt Whipke stopped by, you guys heard all about his pledge music campaign for his album, Driver, which tells some stories about his time spent as an Uber driver. Well, guess what? The album is done, and Matt is back to give you the scoop on the creative process behind the music and invite you to the album showcase February 23rd and 25th at the Reverb Lounge in Omaha. Welcome, welcome back to the show, Matt Whipke. Hey, pleasure to be here, as always. Great to have you back. So now this has been quite a process. First of all, how excited are you that Driver is done? I'm thrilled. So we have this, the parties coming up, and I'm also thrilled that I have the records in my possession. Yay! Okay, so now talk about all the different mediums you can get this on. Yes, we have it on vinyl, which is awesome. And I just uh, saw that. That looks amazing. Yeah, it's it's a double record. It's two LPs. You have it on CD, on compact disc, and then it's also on iTunes and Spotify and all the modern places to get music. For people who didn't hear about the Pledge Music campaign, get into a little bit about the stories behind the songs on Driver. The past two years, kind of a little side hustle job, I've been doing uh, Uber and, and Lyft driving, had a trip one day picked up a woman at the Amtrak station, and I sang to myself, literally just sang to myself, Amy arrived at the Amtrak station late Monday, September 5th. Very basic, very like scene-setting kind of line, and that's the truth. Her name was Amy, and it was late Monday, September 5th. Okay. I recorded it in my voice memo on my phone, and then after I took her where she was going, I kind of went back to that line and built a story off of that that was kind of a, an amalgamation of several passengers, and came out pretty fast. I wrote another one a few months later of the same idea called Fred, You're Dead, another passenger sketch. And then once I got two, I kind of said, hey, this is a cool idea. It's a new frontier of transportation and communication. And just in a way, it goes against everything you were taught growing up of getting into strangers' cars. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, but what I love about this project is it grew out of real life. When music comes from that place, you know, there's a certain depth and honesty to it that is very real. For me, it doesn't get any more real. This is this was my, like, every day. And sometimes I almost got, like, a little too close. Because when you write about, like, relationships and, like, like, love and stuff like that, that's also very close. But that's, like, almost you expect it to be turned into art, I suppose, because right. that's what it is, you know? Uh-huh. But this is, like, turning, like, work into art and seeing the value uh, and just these everyday interactions. that things you don't think are going to be these fantastical song material. I approach it from the standpoint that it's a much more isolated world despite us being more connected than ever. People are That's probably true. lonelier than ever because they just don't have a face or a voice. Right. And anthropologically, and it's kind of a, a snapshot in time, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because who knows? I mean, this is called Driver. Uh, I could see into the future that it, I didn't think that at the time I was writing it, but oh. I realized that like towards the end, like, oh, shoot, like... We when we replaced by robots, you know. <laughs> right. So, did you find yourself in the middle of this project getting a little bit more inquisitive with your passengers? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you'd be surprised. Like <laughs> the people get in that car sometimes with a mission to tell you things. <laughs> yeah, I bet <laughs> they know. They think they'll probably never see you again. Yeah, they don't like take much prying, you know. And I'd say half the songs are about driver passenger, you know, conversations, interactions. And the other half are just like being trapped in your head, like my own 
increasing isolation, being out on these roads at like 2, 3 a.m. and sort of like insomnia. Which is another part of the reality of what you're doing, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of waiting. My whole life is waiting. I mean, music, yes, you know, music's a ton of waiting. This driving job's a ton of waiting. (laughs) So now when you said things got a little close for you to reveal like in an artistic way, was it more inside your own head? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And a lot of that comes from that, just exploring the isolation. Singer-songwriter Matt Whipke catching you up with his latest project, Driver, here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You Um, like the themed projects. Those inspire you. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice to have a a goal. It's nice to have a structure. I enjoy that as a journalist, as a, a writer. It's fun to have like a, a little deadline. Assignment you know? <laughs> Yeah. Once we get going on the writing, there are these pieces that need to be filled. Well, I have a song from, you know, two or three years ago that is a pretty good melody, great music. It just never had the word. And now I know what I'm writing about, and then I can write the words of that song. So that happens a lot with these concepts. Yeah. Doesn't it feel good to, like, complete that song that you left, you know, five years ago? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, for you sure. You left it for hanging, sure. and you're like, hey, now you're going to come out. You're going to have a nice Yeah, day. but uh, it, actually on Driver, them went back too far. A lot of them were written, like, from scratch. I know in January, February of last year, a year ago, uh, I wrote, like, ten songs real fast. So it was nice that they were, like, from the start, like, right. organic, uh-huh. organically written with this in mind. So what inspired you to put the Beatles cover, Baby, You Can Drive My Car, on this? <laughs> I was on a trip up to South Dakota with the ex-girlfriend and her and her kids, and they went and saw Paul McCartney. I don't know, just that sparked that in my head, that song. Maybe I heard that song, I thought of it, and I'm like, hey, that's, like, perfect song for what I'm working on. They were at the pool in... We brought a guitar and I just I grabbed it and took like twenty minutes to come up with that idea. And they were like, "Where were you?" I'm like, "I had something I had to get out." <laughs> so I I put it down and then it kind of lived in my head that little trip. And then we got home and I I initially just cut it as electric guitar and my vocal at home. It, it took like all of like ten minutes, no joke. And then since I did it to a metronome, I was able with Scott Gata to do the drums and everything. And it, the whole thing took an hour. It was just supposed to be like a giveaway, part of the Pledge music, but I really liked it a lot. It, it fit really well, so I'm happy that it is seeing its full release. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. So now, any surprises on the album? Uh, a song that really took off or really surprised you how it turned out? Well, the record is bookended. The first and last songs are variations musically on each other. They share melodies and counter melodies. They each have like about a minute and a half of these instrumental sort of cinematic introductions. If you kind of listen to them side by side, you'll see how they connect. And I like stuff like that. Uh-huh. A double album, that's something, if you didn't know, maybe that will trick your ear and something to come back to. So there's a lot of things like that. A lot of the songs connect to each other. I think on side two, actually, there's three songs that there's no stops. You know, they, like one goes into the other to the other. Oh, that happens cool. on side uh-huh. four, too. So it's one continuous piece on vinyl. You can drop the needle and it's just going to go through the whole side you know so any more openings for Dwight Yoakam coming up uh hopefully with the new album we've also been doing a few dates with America the band America yeah so hopefully some more with those guys too do people need to get tickets sure do they can go to uh I think the one percent productions page and it's a reverb lounge uh website there's a link on those shows to either of the shows so the Sunday show is a little earlier we're doing like a 6 p.m. show so trying something different the Friday show is Rock show, the both people rock shows. 
Well, it's so cool that everything is done. It's always fun catching up with you. And guys, check him out February 23rd and 25th at Reverb Lounge in Omaha. Cool. Thanks for having me. That's singer-songwriter Matt Whipke here with you today on the Mulberry Lane Show. Songwriter Matt Whipke. Be sure to check out his new album, Driver, and then join him February 23rd or 25th for his album showcase at the Reverb Lounge in Omaha. Thanks, Matt, for joining us today and for driving us around your creative mind. Yes, it was a great visit. What a journey. Who else do we need to thank, sisters? Okay, well, we gotta thank Allie Willis. She's just about to be inducted into the 2018 Songwriters Hall of Fame. And Allie, thanks so much for sharing your creativity, your heart, and your amazing stories and powers of reinvention. And thanks for sharing some of your secrets. Oh, yeah. Well, join us same time, same place next weekend here on the Mulberry Lane Show. We already can't wait to do it all over again. That's right, but only if you're right there. Exactly. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap.